This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. We should also now include award-winning in the description of our podcast. We recently found out that the Business of Blueberries podcast, this show won the Best of NAMA Award for the podcast and webinar category. For those of you familiar with NAMA, the National Agri-Marketing Association, you know that these awards are very competitive. It's a testament to the exciting things that we have going on in this industry that we get to highlight and everyone who contributes from the guests we have to the crop reports, to the blueberry boost and the team that really pulls all this together. Really, uh, we're very fortunate to have this platform and this has become an important cornerstone in our industry communications efforts. And speaking of communications and some exciting news, last month we were thrilled to announce that Christy Babb was hired to become the first USHBC NABC communications director. Now this role was created to develop a focus on a communications platform for both organizations that will further unify our industry and drive our ambition to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. Christy has over 20 years of experience developing, executing communication strategies on behalf of corporate clients, trade associations, and other nonprofit mission-based organizations. Her previous clientele included the Dairy Council of California, the California Restaurant Association, Rayleigh's, and others. It's been a bit of a tradition, as many of you know, to welcome members of our team onto the podcast and introduce them to all of our listeners. So I'm pleased to be joined by USHBC and ABC Communications Director, Christy Babb. Christy, welcome to the team, and thank you for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you a part of the team. I'm looking forward to jumping into this conversation with you and the role you'll be playing. For the industry listening out there, can you just give us a little bit about your background and what led you to the blueberry industry? Sure, absolutely. So as Katie mentioned, been working within communications for the last 20 years and throughout my career really found a deep connection with the agriculture industry. Um, grew up in Elk Grove when Elk Grove used to be full of dairy farms and my husband's from Sutter, California, where you know his family and friends were rice growers. And so have just always loved this industry. And when I saw this job posting, I knew I had to apply. Well, had you had any intersection with blueberries in your other work or, or when you saw this, it was like new cloth? Yeah, the only intersection I had with blueberries specifically was through my work at Dairy Council of California, specifically when we were working on the new food pyramid um, and the new dietary guidelines. And so obviously working with some of the other groups and associations that were advocating for berries and, and other fruits to be included. Yeah, you saw us yeah. at, the, at the very tip top of that food pyramid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good. So how is this, uh, you know, role that you're you're jumping in here for us here in Blueberries now, you know, similar or different in your previous roles? Yeah. So I think, you know, this organization, what excites me so much is just the opportunities. The opportunities are endless here. And I think we have so many 
great and exciting stories to tell to so many different audiences that it really is a place where, you know, the sky's the limit. And the story of blueberries is not only interesting and fun, but it's also really scientific and and data driven. And the health, you know, benefits of blueberries are a story that we can tell in so many different ways to so many different audiences from grade school children all the way at, you know, college age students to to adults to seniors. And so I think the opportunities that we have to tell the story in so many different ways is it's just really exciting. Yeah, I think about, you know, some of the the work we've done in health that has really kind of created quite the momentum. And yet, you know, there's so many areas, I think specifically like in the area of sustainability that we're just kind of beginning. A lot of other ag groups have had to deal with sustainability or have been communicating uh, their areas of sustainability over the years in different ways. And and for us, we've had some great fortune to have, you know, so many people focused on the health message of blueberries. But you're right. There's so many other layers to get into. I'm not going to use the onion metaphor here, but the idea that we could just keep diving into places, you know, where blueberries haven't gone yet before because they, they really haven't had to. Uh, so there's there's an exciting, uh, you know, kind of journey ahead in the area of communications that I'm really excited for you to be a part of and, and the role and the leadership that you'll bring to helping us navigate that. And I think in some ways your experience in dairy certainly helps to inform those good decision-making through the process, right? Whether it's cows or any other animal that not all ag is equal in that space and the challenges of communications are, are just different, right? And so, yeah, it's guiding to have your experience on board in those areas as well. Now, I know that the first few weeks of any job can be really intense. And, you know, it's a little bit like a fire hose, as people talk about. But for you, maybe you can say what stands out so far for you in terms of things that, you know, you've seen in the industry that that have caught your attention. Yeah. So for me, I think it's it's three things that have really stood out these last five weeks. And one is the collaboration, the collaboration amongst the industry and um, the willingness to share information, share best practices, I think is just fantastic. And then the second would be the dedication to innovation and science. I think a lot of people don't realize the innovation and really the science that goes into growing blueberries. And I think that's something that's really neat and another story to tell. And then the third would be really the industry's commitment to utilizing data and measurement and how data and measurement can really be used to transform the industry for the better. And so those would be my top three things in these last five weeks that I've found surprising, but exciting and something that, you know, I'm surely excited to be a part of and and tell those parts of of the story of blueberries. Well, and you'll be a big part of that. I mean, even when you're talking about uh, data and and most of this audience is going to gravitate to understanding and appreciating our work on developing our data and insights platform. I talk about it every week on this podcast. Uh, It's something that Joe Vargas is responsible for developing further, but we just got back from a team retreat where that that layer of measurement and evaluation is data driven, you know, right back on top of our team. And, and of course, measuring the success of our comms going forward is all, it's all part of this culture that I think you're sensing that is really important about driving the future forward is how are we building our benchmarks off of information that we can see and we can measure and and uh, that's that's going to be a really important part of the position going forward, but certainly a part of the industry that you're experiencing. It's something that we're 
developing as we go, but really exciting. So it'll be fun for you to figure out ways to tell that story as we keep uh, talking about data as part of our industry. So not to put you on the spot here, but talk to me a little bit about what you're thinking as you're stepping into this role. Yeah. So for me, coming from a background of being at a communications firm, I kind of see all the different arms of the organization as separate clients and really you know, each of those, whether it's our leadership program, whether it's our health research group, each of those should have their own communications plan and their own unique storytelling tactics and opportunities. And so for me, I'm just really excited to continue to dig in and identify what those stories are and then deliver those stories to our various audiences in fun, engaging and insightful ways. And our delivery methods are going to be adjusted and changed depending on the audience and depending on the story. And some of those are going to be more fun and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to continue to build on tactics like this, like our podcasts or more videos or just really coming up with more engaging and dynamic communication methods so that we can continue to not only grow our internal audiences, you know, love for the association and the industry and our council members, but also consumers too. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot. And I think as we develop, you know, these other departments, essentially, we've got a lot of team members coming on. They're taking ownership of these different areas that you're describing that are going to be important to communicate. And for those listening, you know, currently we hire a lot of contracted work, have historically hired other people in uh, agency relationships to do a lot of our communications. But what you're hearing is an inside out approach. Like how would we reimagine what we're doing today uh, in order to maximize the opportunities for tomorrow by having people on staff who hold on to the story, hold on to the strategic plan, hold on to the vision of what we're trying to accomplish and and be able to own it as we go forward from here. So that's really exciting. Well, we have a lot more to cover here, but it's time for our crop report. This is a busy time of year and we have several states joining us each week to talk about the progress and their crops. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Todd Sanders in California, Alan Schreiber in Washington, TJ Hafner in Oregon, Jody McPherson in North Carolina, Matt McCree in New Jersey, Mario Ramirez in Mexico, and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on May 24th, 2023. Good morning, everybody. My name is Todd Sanders. I'm the CEO of the California Blueberry Commission. Our report for this week, we're going to keep our projections the same. We're remaining at 55 million pounds fresh and 25 million pounds processed. Again, I anticipate that as these numbers start coming in on a more consistent basis now as the weather's heating up, that those numbers may change. So I'll that number may change next week. But uh, last week, we were in the high 90s in the Central Valley, and it's going to continue to get warmer. Although this week, got a, is it looks a little cooler, but we are now starting to hit production. I still anticipate we're about two weeks behind. But as I said, the state of California is finally starting to progress. But our peak is now probably going to be around June 12th or so of this year, that week. But other than that, everything looks good. I haven't heard any complaints from our growers about quality issues and or pest and disease issues. So everything's looking positive thus far. This is Alan Schreiber reporting for Washington State. Across Washington, temperatures have cooled to a little lower than normal to normal temperatures down from some record highs from the week before. 
Uh, we have ideal temperatures across the state for pollination. We have concentrated bloom. Most varieties bloomed all at once. There was competition with other blooming plants, but the bees were working hard. And we believe because of the prolonged period of ideal pollination conditions that we have close to perfect pollination as we have ever seen across the state. Eastern Washington is in fruit set for the early varieties such as Duke. Bloom is wrapping up for mid-season varieties such as Draper. We're still in bloom on the east side and the west side of Washington. So we had a concentrated bloom. We had a concentrated pollination period. It looks like we're going to have a concentrated fruit set, which could lead to a concentrated harvest. We project that we are still behind. We haven't caught up. I don't know that we're going to catch up to an average start to harvest. We will start harvest June 20th or before. We are going to stick with our projection on that's the Washington report. All right. This is TJ Hafner doing the crop report for Oregon. Pretty similar to what Alan just said. Uh, we had a very condensed bloom period, ideal conditions for pollination. Wetness last week was warm and dry. The forecast is similar for the next 10 days, maybe just a little bit cooler. 100% bloom sprays are pretty much all complete in, in all varieties with exception of like rabbit eye. We have a lot of petal fall occurring, fruit set occurring. Fruit seems to be sizing quickly, especially in Duke. Low to no disease and insect pressure. So I, you know, we're shaping up for better than projected volumes coming out of Oregon this year. And what we had projected was that 165 million pounds, which 90 was fresh and 75 processed. Only a couple of varietal exceptions to this. We talked about them last week, and that is some of the rabbit eye varieties with a lot of winter damage, and then we have a lot of shock and cargo this year. Projecting uh, harvest to begin probably the first week of July at this point. If everything comes on at the same time, which could happen here with as condensed the bloom period was, uh, that could change things a little bit. But I think we're going to be doing more machine harvesting for fresh here in Oregon than I think we ever have this year, too. That's all I have from Oregon. Reporting for North Carolina, Jody McPherson. Uh, we're in full peak production of mid-season varieties going into the legacy variety, which uh, is, is the dominant one variety we have. Weather has been exceptional to date. Quality better than expected up to this point. Labor is adequate. North Carolina I would expect will exceed our um, preseason estimate of 25 million pounds fresh. We could surpass 30 at this point, but it's a little too early to tell. That's it for our crop report. All right. This is Matt McCree reporting for New Jersey. Uh, temperatures here are pretty much hanging in the 70s with some lows in the mid 40s to 50s, which is pretty cool for this time of year here, which is really helping berries size up uh, very nicely. Crop is looking very good at this point. Uh, still projecting, I think, uh, 42 million, which is 38 million fresh, 4 million process, and pretty much in the waiting game now. So that's all we have to report as of now. Hi, everyone. Here, Mario with the Mexican Blue Report for 
week 20 of 2023. During week 20, Mexico exported 5,790,000 pounds of fresh blueberries to the United States. It means 95% of the total volume exported worldwide. And another 210,000 pounds were exported to other destinations, mainly Europe and Asia. The total exported volume worldwide was 6 million pounds of fresh blueberries. 11% of this volume was organic blueberries exported mainly to the United States. The volume, the total volume for the organic blueberries exported was 660,000 pounds. And the total volume decreased 22% respect in previous week. For frozen blueberries, the exportation growth 65% with 59,760 pounds. Mexican frozen blueberries represent only 2% of the total United States importations. That's all in my report. Thank you very much. See you next week. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 20, which is a week going from May 15th to May 21st. The Peruvian season 2023-2024 has started in week 18. And so far, until the end of week 20 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 2.2 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From the total volume shipped so far, 56% has been shipped to the US, 30% to Europe. There has no been shipments to China yet, and 14% has been shipped to other destinations. From the total volume shipped uh, so far this season, 3% have been organics. What happened during week 20? Well, a total of 730,000 pounds have been shipped. 50% of this volume has been sent to the US with approximately 370,000 pounds, which are expected to arrive in the US market during the first and second week of June. 42% of the volume shipped during week 20 has been sent to Europe. There has uh, not been any shipments to China. And a reminder, 8% has been shipped to other destinations, including Brazil, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Panama, Thailand, and Uruguay. So that's a report uh, from Peru until the end of week 20 of season 2023-2024. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price and movement, retail category performance, retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. All right, let's go back to today's episode with our newest team member and director of communications, Christy Babb. I'd love to hear, you know, some of your thoughts about ways in which, you know, strategically you see opportunities to build a platform. Obviously, this podcast is one of them and you're inheriting an award winning podcast. Uh, this show has become, you know, extremely popular within a, you know, a, a small agriculture circle, you know, but for us as an industry, it's been great. It's gone global. We've got a global audience that listens each week. And uh, we really appreciate the feedback that it creates from people who listen to the show, what they're thinking about, what we're sharing, the fact that we're sharing not just the episodes and our guests, but we also have our crop report every week. People just love this accessibility, transparency, and, you know, the kind of creativity that comes with putting a weekly podcast together on. So uh, that all to say, 
what's your impression of this podcast? I know you, you had some opportunity in the hiring process, like many of our candidates do to listen to episodes to kind of get a feel for the organization. But, but what do you think, you know, from a podcast standpoint, these episodes and maybe where you think we should take this platform, you know, and its opportunity next and next? Yeah, well, certainly it is award winning. So there's not much to say there. However, you know, moving forward, I think, you know, the podcast, again, like everything else we've talked about today from a communication standpoint, just has so many opportunities to continue to build upon it. And whether that's adding video, uh, a live feed so people can watch the podcast while it's being filmed, whether that's bringing um, the podcast to our Blueberry Convention and doing it live on the showroom floor. I think there's just so many opportunities, again, to, to really make this bigger, get more people involved, have people call in. There's just so many ways to really connect on a more individual level with people who are interested in blueberries and and our listeners. That would be great. And I think one of the things about the uh, podcast that I find fascinating is it's the one medium from a communication standpoint that we have where people are willing to put those earbuds or their headphones or turn on their car where it's like, it's kind of a really personal way of connecting, even though, you know, it's not a live show. And and it just, it just seems like even for me, I was listening to a podcast, uh, an NPR one over the weekend and listening to the reporter's voice and, even reached out after the episode to say, what a good job. And I don't, you know, we would never do that with like anything else. Right. But it's because this feels a lot closer. Right. And you could identify this person or you felt like you were listening to them. Uh, and I've had that in my own experience, you know, recently returning from Mexico where folks who had heard this show recognized my voice or realized that, you know, the person who hosted the business of blueberries was in their office. And so it's an amazing, you know, platform. It's unique. Yeah. And of course, we're charged at USHBC with promotion and research. We spend a way big majority of our time. I think we've may historically neglected our industry communications. So we're spending a lot more time in developing this part, which is why you're here and which is why this is increasingly more important. But I think it's, it stems from, you know, the work I've done in the time I've been here in trying to even explain the difference between NABC and USHBC as organizations and what they do. Right. And I'm not saying it because we're unique, like we've got a job to do just in splitting those hairs. I think it's the challenge for any organization. Like, let's say it was just USHBC. You still have a job that goes out and differentiates. What is a research and promotion organization doing for me? And how does that research and promotion organization work? And, you know, what does it stand for? What are they doing with my money? What, you know, there's just a lot of work that goes into having to answer all these questions. And if you don't have a strong communications program, those questions can often go unanswered. And so I think that's where this job is so important, right? So increasing our our effort and in internalizing a communications person and then doing this work. So what's your experience in, in the challenge of association communications and the balance between the work we're here to do on mission against the need and the importance of communicating that work back to our stakeholders. Yeah, and from my perspective, really, like anything, it starts at home, right? And so if our industry members aren't aware of what we're doing and can't give a five-second elevator speech on USHBC and its mission and vision, then how can we expect consumers to buy into that? And so, you know, in the association world, we call it the WIFM, what's in it for me? And so really being able to help our industry members understand 
all the important work that's being done here and how it benefits them and their business operations and makes them a better grower or a better producer, I think, you know, really is the foundation of everything else. And so, like I said, if if our industry members have a good understanding of our mission and vision and how we're implementing that and broadcasting that out to consumers, I think it just builds a stronger house for everyone. Is there anything from your perspective that, you know, so far you can see that needs to be addressed, you know, kind of right away? You know, I I think for me, when I came on, and the reason I bring this up is because I I reminded myself, like, that was an issue that needed to get addressed. How How do you communicate the difference between USHBC and NABC? And in fact, we're still working on that because I think there is some inherent issues of ag organizations or ag industry not understanding the different types of organizations that work for them. In our case, you know, RMP, you could have a marketing order, you can have an association like a Farm Bureau. But what are all the ones that are out there that people are either paying membership to or assessments to or all these things? So just getting out there and talking about what it is that is the left hand, right hand of NABC and USHBC for this industry has been really important and, uh, and really important for the grower audience to you know, understand why we're making moves on NABC or why the strategic plan for USHBC is developing this inside out approach with its resources for staffing. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that from your perspective. You know, what is it that you see is important for us to dive into from your perspective? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've been charged with in my first couple months here is really doing an overall assessment of all the platforms that we're utilizing to communicate with the industry and ensuring that, you know, not only what are the platforms, but are they the right platforms? And are we communicating via those platforms in the right ways? And so I think that's going to be a really important project that helps shape, you know, how we move forward with communication to our industry members. And I'm excited for it because I think it's it's really important. And not only, you know, are we using the right platforms, but how we're delivering that information and are we delivering it to the right people? Are, are we capturing everyone within the industry that we should be capturing? Well, and I think the answer is no, because... The challenge we've faced, and I think the challenge we face is, was if you look at whether it's the farm sentences for blueberries or you just look at uh, the largesse of the entire audience that's out there in this space, there's a lot more people we can reach and there's a lot more growers who we're not reaching, not because maybe we just have an assessment association with them, but that's not communication. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sending them the assessment form once a year to say, hey, we need to hear from you is, is also not uh, the kind of communication. It's not the culture I think we're building at USHBC is to be the only organization that's just looking for you to respond to this uh, particular formality. But how do we communicate throughout the year? How do we reach them where they're at, whether it's a UPIC farm or it's somebody that's in a full scale, vertically integrated, you know, farm to processing facility. So that's what's really important here. And I think the audience is listening, right? I mean, whether it's this podcast or there's other people out there who've either been aware of what USHBC stands for, but just never been engaged. How do we do that work? And so uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for us, of course, because you're here, but I'm excited for what opportunity this brings for our industry. It's a level up. And I think for the audience listening today, you know, there's going to be uh, work that you do. I know you and, and Amanda are working on an industry engagement survey, and that's something that we're working on each year. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But I think that'll be another opportunity for you to hear from our audience, you know, 
what is it that they want to hear more about? What is it that we're working on that they want to know more about? And that will help shape things as well. Yeah, super excited to get the results back from that industry uh, survey. I think it will tell us a lot. And, you know, I encourage everyone to, when that hits your inboxes, to hopefully really dive into it and spend some time giving us some some great feedback. Because that's the only way we're, as an industry or as an organization, are going to be able to continue to grow and to improve upon how we deliver information to you. Well, and I like that that's going to take place like we should. And I know, you know, working with Tim on this podcast, we would survey our audience once a year. Uh, what do they think about this show? Right. And just getting that feedback on a, on a regular cadence is important, uh, but not to withstand the opportunity to reach out directly. So, of course, uh, you know, any anybody who would like to reach you would be welcome to kind of whether it's email or phone, but you're here now. And so these ideas that other people might have for us, I mean, maybe there might be you know, an entire group of people that would say, Hey, I'd love it if you texted me, you know, information, or I'd love it if you delivered it in this format. I'm sure, you know, that feedback uh, need not wait for a survey, but you'd welcome people giving you a call. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it allows me to make those one-on-one personal connections and relationships, which I think are invaluable, especially in communications. Um, So absolutely, if you have any ideas, thoughts, feedback, please feel free to reach out to me via email, phone, and you can find my contact information on uh, both organizations' websites. Yeah, we'll put this information also in the show notes so that people can reach out to you directly there. Uh, but this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate uh, having you on the team. You've already brought a lot to our team. I, our, I mean, we threw you right into our team retreat, and you got to spend part of a week with everybody just talking about the things that we're going to do next and next as an organization, which always is an important opportunity as a team to get together. But excited about where you're going to take things. Welcome to the team. Thank you. Welcome to Blueberries. Thank you. We really appreciate uh, you coming on board and looking forward to uh, you having having you back on the show because you're the director of communications. So you're just pencil yourself in. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Casey. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. That's it for episode 137. As I always say at the end of these episodes, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.